Hello, and welcome to the Sound and Silence podcast. My name's Cameron. I'm a percussionist and composer. And I'm Matthew Lukens, uh, chaplain at Canterbury House. And we are your hosts and organizers of Sound and Silence, taking place here at Canterbury House. Uh, Canterbury House is the Episcopal Church's campus ministry at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. We're also a concert venue and a community center for artists and activists. And once a week, we do this, where we get together to experiment with contemplative music and contemplative silence. Mm -hmm. And once a month, we bring in a guest artist who provides the sound that brings us in and out of our shared silence. But before that, we like to take some time with our guest artist to talk to them about uh, their life, their work, their influences, uh, their sense of spirituality in music, contemplation, and silence. I'm sitting here in Canterbury House with Jonah Parson Johnson and Bear Paul Clark, acclaimed improvisers, composers, multimedia artists. Do you also identify as a multimedia artist, Jonah? I'm not, I mean, to the extent that all DIY musicians must be able to have a lot of media. I (laughs) I was going to say 21st century musicians. I do, but I wouldn't say that I'm necessarily somebody who's spent as much time connecting creativity and multimedia as Barry has, so I wouldn't claim it for myself um but before we get to in to the weeds <laughs> we're already really deep in. um when, when when we say multimedia like which media um mostly i mean outside of music um like experimental film um and then a lot of interdisciplinary kind of work between um music and dance and music and film and improvisation and film and a lot of those things. And some of my projects incorporate um, all those things in one space. So. Cool. Nice. Yeah. yeah, do you want to f- help us like fill in some of the gaps of your musical landscape, like started with classical bass? Yeah, and then went so um, I, I went to a, a school for classical music performance on double bass and, and, and got a bachelor's degree in that and um, have lived and worked professionally out of the Milwaukee area and then um, outside of, you know, freelance work that I do with those some classical ensembles in southeastern Wisconsin, I just I stay pretty involved with um, a lot of different performance ensembles, playing bass with, like, uh, improvising ensembles. I do a lot of experimental and electronic music. Um, I uh, support a lot of songwriting and, and more uh, traditionally based music projects and... Uh, yeah. So, like, what... Do you have, like, a moment or a memory or, like, a period of your life where, like, you made the kind of transition out of being classically trained into, like, exploring new arenas? And, like, what kind of, like, brought you into a more expansive artistic world like that? Um, I'm going to say I haven't even had that yet. <laughs> but... More to come. Yeah, well, it's... it's you, it's, and you bring that up at an interesting time because, like... Um, I am kind of in a in a period of like uh, coming out or co- going through and being involved in a lot of cognitive behavioral therapy, mm. and it has like pushed back on a lot of uh, sort of negative practices that were involved in some of my creativity. So, and some of that is of my own mental doing, but you know, some of that I think does come from some of the conditioning surrounding you know, music education and academia, and things especially like, like that. classical school. Oh yeah. yeah. But um, that's not to demean any of my experiences there. It was my own. But, um, yeah, so it's, it's I think I'm, I'm still in a period of really understanding um, ways in which 
I feel the most myself in applying my creativity. Mm. Uh, I've, I've felt a lot of friction in thinking, oh, you've spent a lot of time and money and resources and energy training on, on this particular instrument, so this has got to be the one. But then, you know, you sort of uh, reframe your creativity. That's where the multimedia thing comes in. You sort of reframe your creativity and realize, like, oh, I'm feeling an energy through this space that's making me feel more whatever we're all going after, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. So, so to answer your question, I don't know. It's like, I don't know if I, I'm kind of maybe in it. Yeah, we're always changing. You know? Yeah, yeah. Totally. I think there's also, like, the whole, like, fear of sunk cost thing with all of that, too. Mm. I know, like... For me, like, I've been playing a lot more flute lately and really enjoying it, but every once in a while I have this, like, panic where I'm like, ah, oh, I've invested so much energy in playing saxophone, oh, yeah. am I, like, yeah. undermining yeah. the value of that work mm -hmm. when I choose to associate myself with something else? Mm -hmm. And also, like, what does it mean to play music on an instrument that you don't feel completely free on? Because I spent all this time cultivating That's a good question. freedom. And I think all of us sometimes turn our aspirations into values. Mm -hmm. So, like, it became a value for me, like, oh, being free on my instrument is important. But it's actually not required. Like, I grew up in Chicago around, like, a, a very deep tr tradition of, like, music that was sort of defined as creative music mm -hmm. by groups like the AACM Association for the Advancement of Creative Musicians. And when I asked some of my teachers about that, one thing that one of my teachers used to say is that, Creative music means having the freedom to encompass whatever you want into your music making mm. and not feel limited to genre, style, instrument. And that always sounded really cool, but also scary to me because I was afraid of the idea of doing things that I felt different levels of comfort with. Mm. Um, yeah. So like as I'm, as I'm pushing myself in this, some days I'm like, oh, this is great. I'm exploring new areas. I'm widening my perspective. And I, and then I realized that like all those things are just like um, like projects of bargaining with myself to convince myself it's okay that I'm not as good as it. And my wife will be like, but you enjoy playing it. You like and it, And I'm right? like, oh, yeah, I do. And she's like, isn't that why you're doing it? And I'm like, oh, no, no, it's like all these other things. But it's all, it becomes like this whole like negotiation with how much energy you put into other stuff up to that point and stuff like that. But yeah. like I've... I've I'm appreciating how much that jump what's to be must be like I've like I've got a friend who like wrote a like manifesto on bad art and <laughs> like the value of making bad art and that was like my my winter coping mechanism last year was I was just like I'm just going to make bad things yeah. and just enjoy just making make it feel good. but like how hard that jump must be when you've like actually honed something enough where you know what excellence can look like and like you've you know maybe gotten into like a flow state with excellence before but then to jump from that to like to yeah. to a different level of capability like that's and just like the pressure of like jump. when you're a full-time artist like you need to get called for gigs and like work and you want to like show people that you can do with things you <laughs> but that's i think that's like show people is like a really important like verb because i think that like one of the things that i struggle with is the idea of demonstrating excellence versus utilizing excellence Ooh, yeah Ooh. and like utilizing excellence i think is can be very meaningful and powerful and like using that freedom but sometimes i find myself on the verge of doing things not because I'm utilizing it, but because I'm trying to demonstrate it. Yeah, I'm trying to show And then it's like, oh, yeah, it is that thing of, like, oh, but you're trying to get gigs, and, like, right. oh, my peers are in the audience. I want to show them what I can do because maybe they'll want to play it's with me then. what it's about. And stuff yeah. like that. And, like, I mean, it can be what it's about. Like, I think that 
if you're part of a bustling freelancer community, like in jazz, demonstrating excellence is a very deep tradition of that. Like a lot of bebop is about dem uh, demonstrating excellence. Why did they change the keys of songs about telling each other? It's about demonstrating excellence. Uh, and that's a community element in that. Yeah. But ideally, that should be a decision. They decided that demonstrating excellence was going to be part of what that music meant. It was going to be about not just being at a high level, but challenging each other and creating that yeah, sense. Helping the that. music grow as a whole. Yeah. Whereas like a lot of times in jazz culture, sometimes it can be like, I'm, I'm bigger than you and I can play faster licks. And like, Well, I'm also sure that some people felt that way around them. Like it, it was fundamentally exclusive. And some things are exclusive. Mm -hmm. Like inclusivity is also a value and it's a decision. You have to make the choice. Like I want to make something inclusive. Yeah. And it can be very good and powerful as long as it's intentional because if you're being inclusive unintentionally then it often is like with the wrong attitude and sometimes unintentionally exclusive in your inclusivity and things like that so yeah. but either way I think like for me one of my goals is not is to utilize excellence not demonstrate it because I feel like for me personally when I fall into that demonstration it's from a place of insecurity mm -hmm. and like even totally. like with the flute recently sometimes I'm like oh I'll play this piece first because it shows that I know how to play flute and then I'm like but what do you mean shows that I know how to play? Like, what? who yeah. am I showing? Who, Why am I showing? Where is the line with when I'm yeah. good or I'm quality or I'm Who's enough? Who's for? Uh -huh. Exactly. What are you in um, preparation this for? Is... All that stuff. For me, like, playing an instrument and being a composer have always been, like, inextricably linked. So I still think of myself, like, by saying I play saxophone to me, I'm also, like, someone who creates music. And um, I grew up in Chicago, um, but I've lived in New York for a long time now. I think I might be losing my Chicago citizenship soon. <gasps> but... It's very sad for me. Sad. Um, but yeah, and um, I do a lot of music that I make by myself, although a lot of what I've been reflecting on recently is that like, really it's not possible to make music by yourself because we're always carrying so many people with us in our own memories, yeah. our own perceptions of our own communities and things like that. So sometimes I make music where I'm the single sound source, but um, lately I've also been exploring this idea of music that can like exist collaboratively with audience collaboratively with other musicians um and that's that's sort of what i've been playing with recently um and i try to to travel as much as i can and play for as many different people as i can find nice i love that before you both kind of talked about being in phases of of like trying new things and i'm wondering like what um do you have any practices or like what do you do to get yourself into the headspace of like going in a new direction and kind of dealing with some of those like feelings that y'all were talking about um, that come with like trying something new that you don't have you don't have as much experience or mastery or what have you with? Well, I mean, a lot of my um, desires to explore some of my creativity have been met with um, issues I have with anxiety and major depressive disorders. And I've been able to uh, use talk therapy and medication and meditation as sort of like a, a three-cornered hat mm -hmm. to, <laughs> to help me sort of get into spaces of balance that make me feel... Uh, and, you know, like, all, not just in my creative life, but in my entire existence, you know, using these... The tools that I've gained from those three things and applying them effectively, but in my creative life, yeah, it's a lot of a lot of meditation, a lot of um, you know, using improvisation in my 
nearly all of my creative practice is really a thing because I think it's, you know, the connective thread through all art is that uh, there was an action that took place, a thing was created. So you just have to do the work. You know, you can't just yeah. think about it and be like, I did it. You know, you really have to do it. So improvisation is a practice that I, that I get into to develop new things as well. Yeah, I, I guess for me, like, I feel like I'm always perpetually in a state of trying to find new things. Just, like, I've never really felt, like, for me, like, firm ground exists creatively. Like, there's so much to explore. There's so much to, like, experience. There's so much to study. There's so much to create. It never really felt like I was like, this is what I do. This is how I do it. So I feel like, for me, like, the harder thing is to stick with something and to feel yeah. like... Yeah, that's how I'm I gonna... feel, too. Mm -hmm. It's like there's so many shiny, cool things in yeah. the creative world. Yeah. Um, but only have one life, you know? Uh -huh. so. Exactly. Uh -huh. And, like, committing... And I think as I've gotten older, I felt so strongly that for so many of the musicians that I admire, they're so much more defined by what they decide not to do or mm. what they decide to be bad at than they are by what they decide to do. Yeah. And, like, through that, like decision-making and study and practice and exploration, they slowly define themselves. So I've just always sort of pushed myself to say, like, what do you like about music? What do you like about performing? What do you like about making things? And how do you create opportunities to do that stuff? And sometimes they're disparate. Like, yeah. sometimes I like playing music that makes people feel excited and kinetic and want to move. Sometimes I like playing music that makes people feel... Uh, like disciplined and stationary and reflective I find it difficult to do both at the same time <laughs> um, but I'm okay with that like I don't feel like I need to define myself as one kind of musician and I think in the end I'm always going to speak with the same voice regardless of the context and then it's fun to sort of put myself in in different contexts for different reasons. Yeah, I think that kind of plays into the idea that I'm really coming into understanding too that like art is um like an energy and it like finds its way you know and i think the idea of like sticking to one thing that that, that kind of comes in where like our our economic structures and things where like capitalism wants us to brand and, yeah. and you know create a thing where it's just like you're inherently creative by being alive and you're an artist by putting intention into your energy so, like, why do you have to put that in one little shape or form or media, you know? It's like, if, if you want your goal it to be, it to be like, the pressure, you know, like, we've experienced the pressures of capitalism to have a livelihood resource from your creativity, if that is your goal, that is possible, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah. And I think the pressure of that really can uh, strangle a lot of people into avoiding even beginning to attempt creativity. Mm. So... That was a deep one. Sorry. I don't like I, a way I relate to that's even in yeah. trying to make sound and silence happen. It's yeah. like, here's this like cross genre thing. The vague premises, contemplative music, contemplative silence, but like some sets have had a beat to them and it worked great, yeah. but it's like the nebulousness of it made it very hard to like talk about it though. Sure. Um, yeah. And then like, made a freedom in like the structure of it, but then like, yeah, communicating to the community can be difficult, but like, yeah. I definitely value the nebulous it, of it. But it, it, it almost makes me value branding a little bit more because I'm like, sometimes you do need to be able to describe something to, to yeah. because if it's something that's worthwhile, like, sure. I'd like you to come to this. I want you to know what you're going to. I, how much time do you have? For yeah. Me to medium pitch or the long pitch? I think too, <laughs> like especially in, in spaces where there's there might be like a transaction taking place it's mm -hmm. like you want yeah. a, you want a, like an, a consent to, 
of understanding as to like what's going to go on. It's not this like, oh, there's an audience in this room, and then you just like hurl whatever you want at them. Like there has to be a little bit of that consent and understanding. So like, genrefication, you know, that's a thing to sort of help that unknown. But um, and like branding of ideas and things like that it helps people understand. But ultimately. Yeah. We're all going after an experience right. of creativity, and that's like why I'm excited about things like tonight because it brings you into an immediate now. Yeah, and it's just like focus yeah. on sound, focus on silence. Nowness, it comes it, that removes the money, removes the capitalism, removes yeah. the, the stresses of time. It's Trying to like, define something, it's all just these there, like, and you just have the experience. It's it's gorgeous. I think it's also about like a sense of responsibilities. Like, I think mm-hmm. a thing that is often challenging with experimental music is people sort of look at it as someone is doing something and everyone else is having that thing happen to them. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that in reality, listening is an active thing. It is a decision and it is a responsibility. Yeah. And an appealing thing about the concept of your series to me is there is a role and a responsibility for every person here. Mm. Like, our everybody's responsibility is to be contemplative. Our responsibility is to be contemplative in the way that we create music. And everybody else's responsibility is to be contemplative in the way that they receive, respond, explore the music Mm -hmm. and themselves in the process. And I think that the secret is that's actually always true. But one of the reasons that I feel like sometimes people find experimental music very exclusive Mm -hmm. is because they don't understand what their responsibility is mm-hmm. like if you go to a club the dj's responsibility is to create music everybody else's responsibility is to dance and that's very clear yeah and you can like mess up the space if you like go to the front of like a rock show and you're like not moving or not oh, right. yeah. or uh, stand in the middle of the dance floor talking loudly yeah. with your friends yeah. uh-huh. I, I could go off <laughs> in those rooms <laughs> but that's then right. in like an experimental music setting people Sometimes they feel like there's a secret that they're not let in on it. Yeah. That they're like, oh, what is my responsibility here? Yeah. What is my role? Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, that's something that I'm sort of reaching for with this, this set of music and this, this sort of like the, the you're never really alone concept is basically you're part of the improvisation. And like you're, you're listening actively one way or another. Even your sense of feeling excluded, if that's what you're feeling, is like an active listening experience. And in that way, you're shepherding the music and you're guiding mm. it. Yeah. So, like, it is inherently collaborative. And your responsibility is to collaborate with me while I'm playing because we're really making it together. Mm-hmm. And that's a great transition point to, like, what are, um, what, could you talk more about your set tonight and kind of what we're, what we're in for? Sure, yeah. So, um, I think tonight will be a few different um, aspirations in in one set. Um, the first thing is, like I've been talking about a little bit, this you're never really alone concept that I've been performing under recently. I don't like the word concept. It sounds very pretentious. <laughs> but maybe I am pretentious, so then I guess that's where it lands. Um, but yeah, just this idea that like for me, like I, I carry a lot of people with me who I've played music for, also people in my life also my family and my friends and strangers and really I feel like every performance that I do is a collaboration with all of them inclu- and everybody who's here in the moment of the performance so I think that's sort of like one of the ideas another thing for me is just being open to taking music that I make and throwing it into context and watching to see 
what happens with it. Mm-hmm. And I think like to me like the verb is watching because yeah. I think it's very easy to throw something into a context like a person who doesn't know how to swim th- thrown into water who just immediately starts thrashing. And the goal is to not thrash. The goal is to, to float. And so like this is an opportunity for me to take music that I've sort of spent, you know, when you play by yourself, you can rehearse a lot. So I've spent um, a lot of time exploring on my own and take the opportunity to take Barry and put him into the context of that music and to watch what happens and to see the way the music changes and evolves and transforms in what will be unexpected ways as long as I have the discipline to let them happen, which yeah. is always a challenge. Um, so I think that's that's a big part of what's going to happen tonight too. And then the third thing is just like uh, Barry and I getting the opportunity to be artists who like spending time together and like making music and like each other's music and having opportunity to to turn that into some time traveling together, yeah. um, which is something that I, I try to, to do, especially when I have the flexibility of playing music that can be put in these contexts like we're doing, is to say like, oh, and I mean, I think I even just like messaged you on Instagram and said like, oh, this is cool. We right. should we should <laughs> do some, some stuff that's, together. That's sort of exactly how it was. It yeah. was like, I, I just, you know, did one of those things. Where I posted a little thing. Joan was like, wow, this is great. We should do some shows. And I was like, are you coming this way anytime soon? And mentioned a Midwestern thing. And I was like, Let's build it. Let's do so it. There we are. That's awesome. <laughs> nice. Oh, it's real. And yeah. so, like, yeah, to me, that's that's sort of like uh, tonight is like a culmination of all three of those sort of yeah directions. Cool. That's awesome. Um, do we have time for one more question? Um, Let's see what time is. Six eighteen. Go for it. We're nice. Yeah. Thinking. Um, I want to circle back to we said a, a phrase earlier, cultivating freedom, and like what that means for a performer. And like you mentioned, Matthew mentioned the bad art thing, like how it can feel good if you're not good at something. Yeah. Um, and this is a nice through line from some of the other podcasts we've had, with especially like improviser folks, um, of like um, it's not like it's okay to have some gates with improvised music or like some. You know, like, being really good is, is important, but, and then, like, we're also trying to come at it from the angle of, like, we, on our community nights of Sound on Silence, we have people who don't play music are invited to come make sound, mm-hmm. and how the act of just, like, both listening and making sound can be very healing, oh, um, and, like, how to, like, bridge those two worlds. Well, um, I, would, I would make, like, a small leap and say when you talk about bad art, you're actually, when you take those two words and putting, put them together, you're removing the meaning of both of them and creating, like, a new thing. Like, I don't think you actually mean art that is bad. You mean yeah, the experience of making art yeah, with you're a like, certain you're mindset? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so, like, I think really what that means to me, at least, and which I think is actually, to me, the, the most important skill with improvisation, and the one that I think actually audiences respond to the most, which is, like, being able to eliminate dualistic thinking yeah. while you're performing. Mm-hmm. Because I think that people can feel if you don't like what you're doing, mm-hmm. and people can also feel if you feel so proud of what you're doing and it's not <laughs> connecting with them. And so, like, when you feel this, like, what you feel in all those moments is openness, flexibility, groundedness, presence. Like, that, I think, can help everybody else feel the same thing. And I think in the end, that's a lot of what improvising is about. You're going to bring all of your experience. And if your experience is skill, you'll bring that. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't become a burden, but you'll bring all of it. And the same thing, if what you're bringing is innocence and, like, a sense of adventure... Because you've never done this before. That's what you're bringing also. And again, the same thing. If your innocence and a sense of adventure becomes disruptive and imposes on other people, it can also become a problem. Mm -hmm. So, like, finding that place where you're, like, 
able to be non-dualistic. And I think in the end, like, the word bad art is basically like saying, there is no bad. There's just an experience of making art where you're not asking if it's good or bad. Yeah. And that's what bad art exactly. means. Yeah. So, well like, said. there's your, like, non, your non-dualistic thinking, at least yeah. to me. No, I love, love that. that. Well, uh, anything that uh, y'all would like to plug um, before we sign off and get to the rest of the night? Um, I mean, for me, I, I'm always in and out of town on tour, so you can check me out on the internet. There aren't very many saxophonists named Jonah, so if you do that... Yeah, where where can we find you on the internet? Um, in all of the places, um, but my website, uh, Google, uh, Instagram, I'm sure we can post uh, yeah, yeah. It'll be in the all the okay. links in awesome. the show notes, yeah. um, but if you, if you just look for Jonah and saxophone... I'm trying to do my best to weed out all the other Jonas playing saxophone. Yeah, get out of here. If you're listening, yeah. back off. I don't think <laughs> that there are Jonas. And I'll have a, I'll have an album version of this music. You'll never you're never really alone coming out next year. Oh, great, probably in the early spring. Um, and then yeah, I'm always coming around through wherever you are. I'll probably be there at some point. Oh, great. You're never alone. There you go. Um, yeah, and. Uh, the run that Joan and I are doing together and a, and a lot of my solo activity is through a project I'm doing these days called Cathedral Becomes Tomb. It's a, a multimedia project and a, and a thing that I'm doing to cultivate uh, creativity through experiences I've had with my mental health issues. And um, so people can kind of follow that. Uh, but the, the best way to just kind of stay up to date with the things I'm doing is I, I try to centralize everything on a little website I've built and it's just barrypaulclark.com and there are no letter E's anywhere there. Barry, <laughs> Paul, Clark, no Clark. E's anywhere. <laughs> Clark A? <laughs> no Clark A, no Barry like the fruit, Barry, Paul, Clark, no E's. Awesome. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you both. Thank you. Looking forward to the set. Yeah. yeah. Thank, thank you for having me. If you're listening and have any questions, comments, suggestions, or just want to say hi, please feel free to email us at canterburyhouse at umich.edu, or we are on the internet, on Instagram and Facebook, you can say hi there too. Or if you're in town, feel free to say hi in person at Sound and Silence, which happens Tuesday nights at 7pm during the UMich academic year. And if you'd like to support Sound and Silence directly, we'd greatly appreciate that helps us continue the podcast, continue the program, supporting artists and interfaith community building. And you can do so at canterburyhouse.org slash donate. Thank you.